Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is going on, folks? Back at it again with a 20th M. Blake podcast, part of MileHighSports.com. I am your host once again, Luke Zalman. And for my personal last podcast, Anila will get the one on Sunday. For my last podcast, I wanted to not only look at both players that are looking to progress in the second half, their numbers are saying that they'll actually get better, and then also some players that look like they're going to regress a little bit. Um, overall, when I look through, ton of numbers for the Rockies are exactly where, exactly where all the batted ball profile stuff, all that would put them. Uh, the Nolan Arenados, the Charlie Blackmans, Charlie's going to regress just a little bit, only because. It's nearly impossible to hit 500 at home for an entire season. Um, So he'll regress a little bit, but it's not going to be anything extremely noticeable. Trevor Story will stick about where he's at. Um, Ryan McMahon is probably going to have some up and downs, just like he has already. Um, So nothing, nothing really crazy there. And towards the end of the podcast, I'm also going to look at the All-Star Game. I will be heading to Cleveland tomorrow morning. Um, be there for the for the festivities, uh, the uh, 2019 All Star Game festivities at Progressive Field. Um, so I wanted to give my picks. I want to give my picks not only for the home run derby, but also for the All Star Game. I'm not going to focus too much on the futures game. I think it's very unpredictable, and then the celebrity softball game. It's just for fun. Um, no picks really worth doing there. But I do. I did a little bit of research into my home run derby picks they're not quite just off the top of my head I did want to make them a little informational and you know if you guys jot them down you can hold me to it after um I I just a disclaimer I absolutely love the home run derby field this year um the addition of Bregman and Peterson Bregman's not my favorite in the home run derby but Peterson is a huge gift for them um, this field would only be made better by, you know, if they had added a Mike Trout or if Bryce Harper had done it again, something like that. Some guy with, you know, huge power. Um, but overall, just love the field. Love the blend of old and new players um, with Acuna, Bell, Alonzo, and Guerrero, all young guys. And then you have some, you know, some more of the veteran type guys in Yelich, in Bregman, in Santana. You know, it's it's a absolutely perfect mix to me, um, and I am extremely excited for it. I think it's gonna. I think they're gonna light the crowd up. Um, love that Santana's in it, based on the uh, the home field factor. Um, but first of all, let's jump into the regression candidates because I always I always learn you want to get the bad news first. So the first and foremost guy that's looking at probably the most regression in the second half is. Daniel Murphy um and I know it's weird it's weird to think about hey Daniel Murphy hasn't actually you know been out oh out of this world good um Bud Black says he even has a little ways to go but if you look at the numbers from his batted ball profile he's actually doing better than even he would probably be expected to do um hard hit rate is only 26.4 percent 
extremely low mark. Um, and his weighted on base average is 327. Um, right about in the middle of the pack for the team. Nothing too great, nothing too bad, but his expected is only 273. So the quality of his hits and the quality of his at-bats is expected to drop just based on the way he's hitting the ball, where he's hitting the ball. A myriad of different factors are saying that he's actually going to regress in the second half, um, hitting more ground balls than, you know, just about any point in his career, 37.1. And his line drive rate is also at one of the lowest points at 21.9%. That tells me that there's probably a little bit of a drop-off coming for Daniel Murphy. I think that, I think that he'll be, he'll be pretty good the rest of the year. Um, I think he's also going to make fans really miss DJ LeMahieu. Um, I think that his overall consistency just hasn't been there this year. And maybe it's still because of that lingering finger injury. Maybe he's still catching up and that batted ball profile will get better as the year goes on. But as of right now, he is probably the largest regression candidate on the team. Even though, like I said, he hasn't had, you know, an all-star quality season. Um, It still looks like he's going to regress to a degree. The other name that's on the list that I saw most notably, there's only two that are, you know, docked for huge regression is unfortunately Tony Walters. Um, He's been a huge story this year. Him and Chris Iannetta have been rejuvenated this year. Um, Iannetta, especially after he got those contacts, um, he was, he's been great for them as a veteran presence, especially for, you know, Peter Lambert. He was a great presence for Kyle Freeland, even though Freeland started to fall apart a little bit. Um, but Tony Walters has been, there was actually some arguments that he should even maybe be in the all-star game. Um, not a hundred percent sure if I'm on board with that, just based on how great Contreras has been. Um, when you compare a guy like Walters to Contreras, it's very hard to put, you know, to put Walters in there. Um, but obviously there were a couple reserve spots, wasn't able to grab one of those with the, you know, the Yasman and Grandals of the world. Um, but he's had a very good year. The problem is that he's not hitting the ball well. He's hitting the ball lucky. And that is where you start to get huge regression. His hard hit percentage, I just talked about Daniel Murphy. His is 26.4, which is one of the lower marks on the team. Tony Walters is all the way down at 18.1. It's the lowest of any hitter on the team. Lower than Pat Vileka, lower than Garrett Hampson, lower than all of these guys that you would expect to not be nearly the hitter of Tony Walters this year, they're all hitting the ball harder than Tony Walters. And that screams regression right away. Um, the difference between his expected Woba and his regular Woba is about the same as Daniel Murphy, um, but a little less. Um, he won't regress quite as much there. Um, but according to StackS, this was an extremely weird stat that I found. There's this new stat that they brought into baseball that's really started to become the go-to for how well a player is hitting the ball, and it's called barrels. It's the amount. It's it combines a ton of different things. It combines launch angle. It combines exit velocity, and it you know it all. It's all encompassing, and it tells you okay, this is what this player did with the ball. This is how hard he hit it. This is how well he hit it, and if it's and if he quote unquote barrels the ball, it was a well hit ball, according to Statcast. And it may be it may be a you know a misinformation type deal from the machines that track this type of stuff. 
But according to StatCast, he has not barreled a single ball the entire season. As of right now, his barrel percentage is zero. He has not barreled a single ball of all of his attempts. And that is extremely alarming. I do, like I said, that seems so that seems so anomalous that it can't be true in my head. I just can't imagine. I mean, he's hit a home run this year. I feel like it's hard to hit home runs if you don't barrel it up, but it is possible. So I think that seeing that immediately just the alarm started going off even more. The hard hit percentage super low. The barrel's super low. His batting average is 285, but his expected is 241. Um, and for a player like him, for his batting average on balls in play to be 329, given the fact that he's not barreling the ball up well, is very unsustainable. Um, I think that... I think that for him to continue this run, he's going to need luck like no one's ever seen. And I totally understand. He's quieted down at the plate. He's quieted down everything. And it's really worked for him. And his confidence is at an all-time high. And maybe that can overcome some of this stuff. But if you look at all the numbers, there's little chance that he's going to continue to do what he's done this year. But that does not mitigate the effect he has on the team. He will still continue to be absolutely elite behind the plate in pitch framing and in throwing runners out. I mean, he's been towards the top of the NL all year in that. He's going to continue to be able to do that. That's not luck. As far as his contributions at the plate, though, from the bottom of the order, those are set to regress. Luckily for him, when he was really streaking earlier in the year, Ian Desmond was terrible. The two have flipped now, and Ian Desmond's numbers are completely what they should be right now. There's almost no area where you would expect regression, even though he's been so hot. And that tells you that they're probably going to flip-flop the rest of the year. Um, It's going to be Desmond that's going to be producing at the bottom of the order. Um, Ryan McMahon maybe can step it up a little bit and produce a little more, but Tony Walter's production is likely going to drop some. Um, I know he's a Twitter favorite. Um, don't dash on the stash. Tony two bags. Totally get it. Everyone loves Tony Walters. If I had to pick someone to be a catcher, obviously outside of the, you know, elites, the Real Mutos, the Contreras, the Gary Sanchez's, Walters would be pretty far up there. He's a huge competitor. Um, he's absolutely amazing defensively. And I think that's huge for a catcher given the state of the hitting from the catching position throughout the entire league, having a guy that plays such elite defense, I think is a huge aspect of his game and a huge aspect of what makes him so good. Um, so I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to diminish what he's done this year. Just think that just think from the numbers, looking at everything, it looks like he's going to progress just a little bit the rest of the year. Now to the positive side, the progression candidates. And there were almost, from what I could see and from what I've seen this whole year, there was almost no candidates hitting-wise. Um, there's no one that has just been drastically underperforming compared to their, you know, compared to the underlying numbers um, they've all been right in the range or they've been regression type guys. But my biggest progression guy for the second half of the season is Kyle Freeland. Um, he's not going to return to what he was. Totally understand it. I don't think the rest of his career he will ever have a year that he had last year. Um, I think that the lack of exposure to him overall allowed that inside fastball to be extremely effective allowed him in general to just be an extremely effective pitcher and that's going to regress 
from that 2.85 ERA, that top five Cy Young candidacy, but it can't get worse than what it was. I mean, he was demoted because he could not make it five innings without allowing, you know, four to five runs at minimum. Um, he was just, I mean, he was awful. It, it, we can just put it out there blatantly. He was terrible. And I think it stems a lot from his confidence. But last time he went out for the isotopes, seven innings, only allowed one run, and K'd nine. That's huge because the numbers are what they are. He's been making adjustments. To see those pay off has to be encouraging. But just the overall confidence that he can get guys out and have a start like that in a in a league like the Pacific Coast League that is known for its hitting, I think is huge for him mentally. Um, just a couple of his numbers. Ground ball rate this year was way down from his career average. It's usually 48.5. Nearly half of his outs were ground balls, or half of his balls in play, should I say, were ground balls. And it was only a 42.6 this year, which signals that there's a little bit of room to grow there. Um, and is and is fielding independent pitching. That is literally just who he is as a pitcher. Um, you completely take out, you know, having Nolan, everyone behind him. It was 6.43. It's almost like a different form of ERA. And it was 6.43. But as expected was 5.36, which tells you that he was pitching better than what the numbers would indicate. He has room to grow. And it's 21.6% home run her fly ball rate is extremely high compared to his career average of 12.2. There's a ton of room to grow for him. I Like I said, he will never probably be what he was last year again, um, but it's he can only go up, and I think he could... I think Herman's going to continue to be you know, a great, great arm for them. Gray looks like everything is starting to come together for him. Kyle Freeland can easily be a quality third starter. He won't be asked to, you know, go eight innings, allow two runs. That's not what he needs to do. But the rest of the year, expecting him to pick up some quality starts, expecting him to, you know, have the six and a third, six and two thirds, four and runs, stuff like that. I think that's well within the realm of possibility. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's ridiculous to think that he can be a huge contributor the rest of the year without him. Their pitching staff is is going to be hurting. The other guy I wanted to look at, because I know Herman Marquez lately, or is as the uh, the Rockies radio would say, Herman Marcus. Um, just always funny to hear that. Um, but I think that with his recent results, I think that it's easy to say, oh, well, he's 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 going to get back to where he was. But his numbers are where they should be now. He's pitching like how he should be pitching based on his underlying numbers. At the beginning of the year, his batting average on balls in play was ridiculously low. One of the lowest in the league. So he had room to regress, and now he's getting right back to the mean. Um, He's going to be, I mean, a 4-3 ERA type guy at... Uh, for a guy that has to pitch at Coors Field so often, it's that's that's a great number. He may not be quite the Cy Young frontrunner that many thought he maybe could be, um, but that's a great number for a Rockies pitcher. Um, I think that expectations too often for Rockies pitchers are placed a little too high. I think if a Rockies pitcher can consistently come in, 
go six to seven innings and allow around four runs per outing. It doesn't sound great, but with the way the offense can operate and if their bullpen can put it together a little more, that that is a that that can win. They won't have to outslug people if their pitches are giving up three to four runs an outing and getting deeper into games. Um, I think expecting a ton more than that is setting yourself up for failure if you are a fan. Um, and that's the one thing after covering this beat for this whole entire year, that's the one thing I've noticed is that I think way too often expectations from a baseball, you know, from a baseball overview type standpoint are unrealistic. So I think that putting those into more realistic terms will help fans and pundits alike to kind of, to kind of look at players in a different way. Jumping into our final topic of the day the all-star predictions. I love to predict things. Um, I think everyone gets a ton right, ton wrong. Um, I like to think I'm pretty realistic, um, so I think that helps. Um, I try not to be a fan of any team. I know that very often, you know, some of the other sites that cover different clubs can kind of get a little too fan-oriented. That's not really how I like to do it. I think that I think that giving fans a completely objective look at things in the long run will help them be better, better in quotes fans. Um, I think the Rockies have some of the best fans in the league, but as far as just, you know, knowing what to expect from the team, not getting too high, not getting too low. I think when you can, when you're getting information objectively, I think it helps to keep everything level headed. So that's what I try to do, but for the home run derby, that's what I'm going to go over first. So just first from a, from just looking at the bracket, the from the one seed all the way down to the eight. So one verse eight is Yelich versus Guerrero. That's going to be the left side of the bracket. Below that, Bregman Peterson, the four five seed. The winners of those will meet, and then obviously the winner of that will be in the final. On the other side of the bracket, we have Pete Alonso of the Mets and Carlos Santana, two verse seven. And then the other matchup is Josh Bell, Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, that's the 3-6 matchup. Like I said, I absolutely love the field that they have. So I will start with Yelich and Guerrero. And this was a very interesting one because obviously if you've paid any attention to baseball this year, you know that Yelich has been absolutely obliterating the ball, hitting home run after home run. The one thing I wanted to look at though is... Will he have maybe a kind of home run derby like a Charlie Blackman had a couple years ago? I think that it's very possible. I think that Christian Yelich is an amazing overall hitter. He's been towards the top of the league for the entire year in isolated power. Um, ton of fly balls. But I think that if you look at his numbers and the fact that he's done so well at Miller Park, power-wise, just completely power-wise, he's been an amazing hitter home and a road. But power-wise... He's had his numbers boosted a lot at home. Obviously, this isn't at Miller Park. It's going to be a progressive. So I think he's going to have to deal with a lot of line drives. I think he's going to be hitting doubles types hits in this. And obviously, those don't count for anything. So I wanted to go... I'm going to go with Guerrero in this matchup. And it may be a little biased because I have been absolutely in love with Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s just overall hitting profile since he was in the minors. I mean, just a ridiculous hitter. If you look at who he is, he is his dad, Vlad Guerrero Sr., with more plate discipline. 
that's what he is and that is just absolutely amazing uh and if he just recently released a video uh for those who didn't see it be sure to look it up of him taking bp in preparation for the home run derby last week and the bat the ball just comes off the bat different it is different than really anything i've seen outside of the stands the judges um but I think that his power is perfectly built for a competition like this. The one thing that's going to be interesting to see is how progressive field is set up. The dimensions are almost the same all the way across. But in left field, there's a higher wall than in right field. So I'm curious to see how the left-handed hitters are going to do compared to the right-handed hitters. This is obviously Yelich is going to be from the left side, Guerrero from the right side. So Guerrero is likely going to have to overcome that wall a little more. Um, but I just, I think Guerrero is built for a competition like this. So I'm going to go Guerrero in that first matchup. Next up, we have Alex Bregman and Jock Peterson. And this one, I'm going to flop. I'm going to go with the lefty, Jock Peterson. And it's a little bit of what I was saying about Christian Yelich, but to a higher degree. Bregman is just an amazing hitter. I don't consider him a home run hitter per se. He is just a guy that will walk a lot, won't strike out a ton, and hits a ton of line drives, which end up resulting in home runs. Um, and ironically, I actually got to watch him, Jose Altuve, Springer. I got to watch them take BP in the recent two two-game series against the Astros. And Bregman is an amazing hitter in BP, but he's not an amazing power hitter in BP. He is gap to gap. I mean... He's one of the better hitters I've seen in the league. It's just not quite built for a home run derby, I don't think. And so for him to overcome that wall, Vlad has ridiculous power. So him overcoming a wall like that, I think is a little easier. But for Bregman, who's a line drive guy, I think it's going to be harder. So I'm going with Jock um, from the left side, just ridiculous power. He's one of those true two outcome hitters most of the time he's either going to strike out or he's going to hit a home run um that's kind of his thing so i think he's more built for this jumping to the other side pete alonzo and carlos santana the righty versus the switch hitter i think it's so amazing that the mlb featured both josh bell and carlos santana in the home run derby both switch hitters i think it adds such a huge element to it and I think that even though Alonzo has huge power and he seems like he's built for a competition like this, I actually like Carlos Santana. I like that he can go from either side of the plate depending on how he's feeling. And he knows the ballpark. He's going to be at his home ballpark, sleep in his home bed. Um, I think that's huge. And he's going to have the crowd behind him. I, I think that's always a very underrated aspect of the home run derby is thinking about the home field advantage. And I think that's going to play out better than a rookie that has never done it. So I have Carlos Santana in that matchup. Jumping to the other switch hitter against Ronald Acuna, Josh Bell. I'm going to go with Josh Bell. I don't know what side he'll hit from. Throughout the entire year, he has hit better power-wise from the left side. So I would expect him to hit from the left side. But like I said, being a switch hitter, he can switch it up if he's not feeling great. And I just absolutely love his power. I mean, the other night he had a three home run game. Um, didn't even look like he was trying. It looked like he was barely swinging. And I think that'll play out a little better than Acuna. But this is by far my favorite matchup of the first round. Acuna has extreme power. 
Um, he's 90th percentile in hard hit percentage, 90th percentile in expected slugging, and near the top in exit velocity as well. Um, he has huge power. I just don't think his swing has quite the same loft. I think that he could get caught by that wall a little bit, hitting him towards the top of the wall. And I would say in this matchup, it's more of a gut feeling than anyone else. If Acuna wins this, would not surprise me whatsoever. He is an absolutely amazing hitter. Would not surprise me to see him win, but I'm going with Bell. And that would set up the Santana Bell switch hitter, switch hitter, semifinal absolutely amazing and i'm gonna go with bell again i think that the home field advantage is going to get to santana through that first round i think he's gonna do amazing but i think he's going to start to tire as we saw with jesus aguilar last year kind of a bigger guy that may not have quite the same stamina once you get tired it's nearly impossible in a competition like this to keep hitting them out so i'm gonna give the younger bell the the advantage in that one Guerrero Jock Peterson, another what I would call extremely fun matchup. I'm going to go with Jock Peterson. Um, it's weird because I just talked about how much I love Vlad, but Jock, I think he is just, he the power is just ridiculous. I think that he's going to fare better in this. If I'm not mistaken, I believe he's also been in this before. Um, I think that it's a coin flip, and it's probably my least confident pick of all of them. But I, I figured, why not go with Peterson? Set up a Peterson-Bell National League-centric finals. I think that Josh Bell is going to take it all. I think that Josh Bell is built for a competition like this, considering he can hit from both sides and has extreme power from both sides. Um, and I just, I think that he's, like I said, I think he's built for it. He just tied the record for most extra base hits in the first half of all time. Um, for an NL player tying Albert Pujols. I mean, the power's legit. And for Rockies fans that don't quite know here to cheer for, I know it'd be hard to cheer for Jock, you know, with the Dodgers in the division. Um, maybe hard to cheer for some other guys. Josh Bell is a great candidate if Rockies fans are looking for someone to cheer for. Great friend of Trevor Story, played club ball with him. Um, so there's a little bit of a connection there. Um, if you're looking for a guy and you don't have a favorite, cheer for Josh Bell. Um, Rockies fans, I think that I think that you'll appreciate what he brings to the table. Jumping with a quick little a quick little wrap up, ALNL. I'm going with the National League. Um, maybe it's because I've seen more National League teams this year, but I couldn't get over the fact that they're going to have two extreme RBI guys in Freeman and Arenado at the corners, and their outfield is Bellinger, Acuna, Yelich. Those are two of the probably top hitters in the game right now outside of Trout, just based on this season. Um, I absolutely love the NL's roster. I think that I think that they're just going to be a little better built for this. Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander are both going to pitch this weekend, so they may not be able to pitch in that All-Star game, which extremely, extremely takes a hit at the AL side. Um, and Ryu has just been phenomenal this year. Um, from the left side, I think he'll, I think he'll have a, I think he'll have a very good time, a very good game, should I say. Um, and I think that having a guy like Josh Hader in the bullpen, as well as Kirby Yates from the Padres will also help the NL a lot. Um, Josh Hader's nearly unhittable, so I think he'll be huge for them. Um, and they will also likely have Kershaw, who I believe is going today and Bueller who went, I believe yesterday. Um, they will have both of them, um, 
I just think that getting the starters in the game for the AL is going to be a little harder. So I'm going to go with the NL. Um, I'm extremely excited to be in Cleveland for it. Um, Obviously, those, you know, hardcore baseball fans, I assume you will be watching it as well. Um, But be sure to rate and subscribe the podcast on whatever you may listen to at me at Luke Zalman on Twitter. Um, Let me know if you guys have any have any suggestions any questions um i will be sure to answer those and be on the lookout for a ryan mcmahon feature coming out tomorrow um he has a very interesting pregame that he learned from mark reynolds so i will have an article up tomorrow on that be sure to be on the lookout for that and keep enjoying this season rockies fans i know it's a roller coaster um but it's been fun they've been selling out the stadium Um, So be sure to keep going. Be sure to keep supporting the team. It's something they talk about all the time in the dugout. And I will talk to you next time, baseball fans.